the best I'm blessed to know that lust is a test I used to be the victim now I'm just envisioning I'm knowing this is I'm Susie Landolfi and welcome to Be Crazy Well Now why would a therapist say that Because we all have mental health struggles even therapists The good news is we have so much more information about how we can be crazy well On my podcast we don't focus on what's wrong with us we want to know what happened to us. We're going to explore how trauma affected us, both negatively and positively. That's right. I said positively. It's called post-traumatic growth, and it's a real thing. Be Crazy Well will share mental health wellness practices, the newest mental health research, and most importantly, how we all get to create the person we deserve to be and the life we deserve to live. So join the mental health evolution and be crazy well. To see within is to know yourself, to know yourself well enough to be able to put yourself into other... Welcome everybody to Be Crazy Well. I came up with that title because I know that we're all a little bit crazy and that may not be a bad thing. In fact, it's a way to look at life a little bit differently. Some people are very crazy when it comes to wanting to make change, and that can bother some of us. And I think one of the things I'd love to have happen is that we could actually embrace change, our own first, always changing ourselves first before we try to change anybody else. So that's why it's called Be Crazy Well. And I got an email uh, this week from my last podcast, and I just want to read this to you. Hi, Susie. I just listened to your podcast episode, Create the Person You Deserve to Be. And I have to say many things you said really hit home for me. I'm a 44-year-old married mom of a 14-year-old son. And you'd think that the beautiful weather here in Florida would be a great motivator to give me the drive to take care of myself. Drive is what I I lack. When you said, and I quote, I didn't get to where I am by just thinking myself well. I didn't get here by feeling myself well. I got here by doing differently, by doing well things, even when I didn't feel like it, even when I thought it was a waste of time, because I don't always trust all of my thoughts or all of my feelings. And that's because they were given to me by a family that struggled. She goes on, that really hit me. It's like I'm only doing the thinking and feeling, but it but find it so hard just to do the doing. When I say that, I mean going for a walk or start back up running like I used to. The lack of motivation takes over. But I have to thank you for your podcasts and really giving me some things to think about. I also want to say that seeing that you're an animal lover, helping horses, and I'm sure many other creatures warms my heart. I am a person who is into rescuing animals. It's just hard to rescue myself. Wow. I'm going to have to say back to that wonderful woman who sent that to me that it was very hard to rescue myself as well. Why? Because I was trained to rescue everybody else. That's right. Just to make sure I rescued everybody. And I mean everybody. I could be 10 years old and I'm still trying to help my friends 
be better, give them what they need, and there to take care of them. But mostly I was trained to rescue my family. We didn't have a lot of money, so I made sure that what little uh, money I made from an allowance went right to my mother. I made sure that I rescued my mother from her depression and from her anxiety. And I made sure that I rescued my family by not adding any more stress. I was going to be the overachiever, the good kid. That's what I was going to do. And that's how I could rescue. But actually, you're not that safe. It's kind of like thinking if you can rescue other people uh, if they fall into deep water, but you can't swim. And yet you're the first one that jumps in the pool. And working with combat veterans really taught me a lot about that superpower to want to rescue others, to want to make sure that we can save and even sacrifice ourselves for others. And I I want to just let you know that it's not that it's not that safe or that easy to be the rescuer all the time. And if we're not rescuing ourselves, we probably are not, I don't know, very safe when we're rescuing others. Uh, I also want to say that one of the things that really stuck out for me as I started this journey of healing was that I had to give up the word selfish. Somehow I was trained to believe that if I helped others before myself, I was selfish. If I took care of myself, I was selfish. If I uh, put some of my needs first, I was selfish. Children don't actually know that word selfish. We have to be taught that word. What the words really need to be are self-concerned, self-aware. I also know that when I work with combat veterans, they taught me the two letters S-A standing for situational awareness, to make sure that I'm aware of the situation around me. And combat veterans are great at this. All veterans are great at this because they have to know what's around them in order to make sure there's no threats. And one of the things I realized when I heard those letters essay was that we need to know if we're the threat. We need self-awareness, not just the situation outside of us. So to be able to rescue ourselves means, can I emotionally regulate? Can I make sure that my feelings are not so out of control that I'm actually adding to the danger and the well-being of myself and others? Can I physically manage my fear and sadness so that it doesn't turn into anger? Because once it turns into anger, then it's much harder to be able to make rational, safe decisions. So most of this idea of not thinking myself into right actions, but acting my way into right feelings was really something I had to practice. I'm going to say that again. I had to learn to act my way into right feelings, not feel my way into right action. I'll give you an example. I oftentimes feel like yelling or I feel like telling someone how much they've wronged me or how upset I am because they didn't do something that was so important to me or they said they would do it. The trouble is that every time 
I react outside, when I react towards somebody else, I'm actually hurting myself. One of the things that happens is my immune system gets overtaxed. My hormonal and and my stress response system gets overreact. And I wonder why I'm tired all the time. I wonder why I'm putting on weight. I'm wondering why I don't feel well. I'm wondering why my blood pressure is going up. Because every time that I react outwardly and even holding it in inwardly can hurt me physically and emotionally. So it's a balance between being able to speak your truth being able to tell people what you're feeling, what you need, and understanding that they may not agree, they may not be able to help you, and they may not be able to even be empathetic. So learning how to have my own voice and being able to tell people what's going on with me doesn't mean I'm going to get the reaction and the response that I deserve. It means that I get to practice having a voice and being able to even tell myself what it is I need at that moment, what I deserve. So that was one practice that was really important to me. And I often hear from parents, like, they don't listen to me. My kids don't listen. I often ask if their kids have a hearing impairment. And they go, no. And I go, well, then they're listening to you. They just don't believe that what you're asking them to do is in their best interest. So this idea that We have to act ourselves into right thinking and right feeling is a daily practice. So if I don't yell, then I am literally helping my brain and I'm helping my body. I'm also helping my my mental health and my emotional well-being. I'm also making sure that I'm taking care of myself, even if the people in front of me are incapable of doing the same. I had someone say to me this past week, they said, I, I'm going to meet his little baby. And she has a new boyfriend and he has a baby from another woman. And she said, I don't know how I'm going to feel. I don't know how I'm going to react. And I said to her, you may not know exactly how you're going to feel, but how you respond, what you physically do, what you say, that truly is up to you. It's a practice. And if you think about that now, if you think about going into a difficult situation and that it could, in fact, bring up some fear and sadness, what if you started to think about that now and made decisions about how you were going to respond? If you were afraid that you were going to cry, give yourself a break and excuse yourself from a situation if you have to. If It's okay to share your feelings with the people that are in front of you because they're actually safe and empathetic. You can tell them that you're sad right now and that this is bringing up feelings for you. I think this idea of being able to do different, to actually be different, is so underrated. We are so sort of obsessed with talking about how we feel and and sharing our thoughts that we don't really... We don't really honor how important it is to practice. Once again, the military really understands this. They get the idea that you'll get good at what you practice. So they train and retrain and train and retrain. They would no more give somebody a a soldier a, a piece of equipment and not train them how to use it before they sent them out in the field. Now, I know some of you might say, no, that's actually happened to me. (laughs) I'm sorry. 
If it has, I'm sorry, because that's not a very safe thing to do. At the same time, most of what we know about wellness is that it is a practice. And she said something else very important. She said she couldn't find the drive. She couldn't find the motivation. I always think about metaphors. And when she said I couldn't find the drive, I think about my car. And I think about sometimes when I get into a new car and I'm driving it, I actually can't find where drive is. I have to look down and find the R for reverse. I have to look for the D for drive or the P for park. And I was thinking about how important it is to know where your drive is before you start to drive down the road with that car or drive yourself. So I know that sometimes my drive, it can come from fear. It can come from grief. It can come from joy. And I know that about me. I know that sometimes I know where my drive is. And sometimes I also don't know where my drive is coming from. Sometimes when I'm really driven to do something, I don't even realize my drive is coming from a past trauma or a past win. And that's what's moving me forward. But I'll tell you, I don't let my drive ever drive me, ever. I'm driving me. So if I don't have the drive that day, or what we like to call the motivation, I don't need it anymore. Now, I know there's all kinds of motivational speakers and books about motivation. And I actually have discussions with friends of mine who do some great motivational speaking. And I told them that I don't really, I don't really believe or, or trust motivation. I go, Susie, how can you say that? We all should be motivated. And I went, well, because I don't know if it's going to show up. I mean, there's been many times in my life where I wasn't motivated to do something. So what am I supposed to do? Kind of sit there and wait for it to show up? It's kind of like a, a, a bad date, you know, or, or, or a bad part, uh, partner, excuse me, partnership. So one of the things I realized about motivation was it wasn't reliable. I couldn't trust it. I didn't always have it. And I didn't always know how to create it. So one of the other practices that I do is I give myself my word. That's right. My word. Now, in my family, people oftentimes said they would do something and they didn't. So there was a lot of betrayal in my family. And that created a lot of anxiety in me about knowing whether or not something was going to happen or not. A lot of sadness because oftentimes it didn't. And a sense of betrayal. And in a sense that I wasn't important. And when I started this healing journey, I realized that if I wanted to really rebuild my trust and my faith in myself, if I gave myself my word, then I had to show up. Whether I felt like it or not, whether I thought it was okay right now to do or thinking that I could do it another time. If I said I was going to do something and it truly was in my best interest to do it, I was going to do it whether I had the motivation or not. And sure enough, and I think I said this last week as well, I realized that once I actually started doing what I said I would, even though I didn't feel like it, even though I didn't think I wanted to do it, I ended up 
enjoying what I was doing. I literally got benefit from it. So I I was hoping that one of the things we could all really think about in our lives is, am I waiting for motivation? Am I waiting for someone to drive me to where I deserve to be? And am I giving my word to myself? One final thing I'll also share with you. So I work out at a gym. It's a wonderful gym. It's called Unbreakable. It was started by a lovely man named Jay Glazer. You can watch him on Fox uh, Sunday NFL. He wrote a wonderful book called Unbreakable about his healing journey. And at, at this gym at Unbreakable, we also have a nonprofit that is uh, featured there and in eight cities uh, around the world, around the country, I should say, not the world yet, called Merging Vets and Players. And we had Sean Richardson on this podcast, who is a member, and we're going to have more members from MVP. And it's putting together combat veterans and retired professional athletes so that they can do some peer-to-peer support in terms of their transition from the military and from their sport. So anyway, we work out for 30 minutes before we sit down and have what we call our huddle. And we do a lot of boxing. Jay was into MMA and boxing. And so much of our workout is boxing. And we will learn how to do a jab and a cross and a hook and an uppercut. And I really enjoyed boxing. When I started to learn it, it was the hardest thing I ever did as a workout. And I was always taught how to defend myself, to slip, bob, and weave so that I didn't take the punch, and how to make sure that I was striking in a way that would give myself an advantage in in the fight. And I was always told about my opponent, like who I was standing in front of. And one of the things that I was never taught was how to punch myself. That's right. I was not taught how to beat myself up. And last week in the huddle, uh, one of the combat veterans talked about how we shouldn't beat ourselves up. And it made me realize, and I made a funny joke about that idea that you're right. We don't right cross ourselves. We don't jab ourselves. We don't uppercut ourselves to to our chin. But we do beat ourselves up. And you have to be trained to do that. Children and adults, any person, does not do that without somebody showing them what it's like to quote unquote, criticize or physically and emotionally, uh, verbally abuse them. And then we tend to do that to ourselves. And I know that it's really hard when we are critical to ourselves. I know it's hard to think differently about yourself or even feel differently about yourself. I know I still have some thoughts and feelings about myself. I still have some criticism about myself. Yet one of the things I know is even with those thoughts and feelings, if I go and do what I deserve to do today, I feel and think better about myself, especially when I give my word and I follow my principles. So I'm hoping that all of us understand that we deserve more than just beating ourselves up. We deserve more than waiting around for motivation to show up like a bad date. And we deserve to drive ourselves. We deserve that. Uh, We deserve to understand that if we give ourselves our word, we should show up for ourselves because we deserve it. We absolutely deserve it. 
So I just wanted to clarify uh, what I was talking about last week, because it's really the foundation of change. And I want to thank this lovely woman who sent that email to me. And please feel free. If you want to talk to me, if you want to be on this podcast, let me know. And we always post my email. I'll give it to you right now, but we always post our email when we post the podcast. So do not be afraid to to send me an email and we can have a discussion. I don't want to do this as just myself. I want to make sure that we're working together, that this is movement. It can be a mental health movement where we are going to create the person we deserve to be and the life we deserve to live by doing differently. We're going to put the do back into doing and doing well, and then we're going to be crazy well. Isn't that going to be wonderful? So email me at Susie, S-U-Z-I-G as in God, M as in Mary, A as in Apple, Susie Gima, and I am called Gima by my grandson. So I'm very excited about always sharing that with people, suzygima at gmail.com. And I wish you well this week. I want to thank Calvin Love for a wonderful theme song, which is Be Your Best Self. And we all deserve that as well. And you know what? That comes with practice. So have a great week and we'll talk next Monday and feel free to reach out to me. I really, really appreciate doing this. Working together, you and I doing this podcast, that helps me too. I'm never going to be a hypocrite. I will never ask you to do something I'm not doing. And that's how we all support one another. So see you next week. Be crazy well. Oh,